0: Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. (laughs) Whatever time you are viewing this stream, I want to welcome you to Haven Campus Online. To our regular viewers, to those who are just streaming through the net, who are coming across Facebook and Instagram, we want to take this time to say welcome and thank you for joining us today. I want to start in the book of Mark, chapter 16. But before I do so. Let me just have a word of prayer with you and we'll get straight into the word. Father God, Lord, it's such a privilege once again to be speaking on behalf of you. So Father, I ask for your intervention this time once again. I ask that you lead. I ask that you speak. I ask that you open our hearts and our minds and may we be receptive to what you want to teach us. Be with us now, Father God, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. The book of Mark, chapter 16, reads this When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Verse 2 Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that a stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white, in a white robe, sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Verse 6, don't be alarmed, he says. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you in Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. I can only imagine what it would have been like to be one of Jesus' followers, to be one of his disciples in this moment they would have heard of Jesus, that listened to Jesus, and they would have come to believe that He is the Messiah. He is the Son of Man. He is the Son of God. And they would have believed with all their hearts. He was their hope. They had placed everything in and around Him. And to witness Him crucified, to witness Him being tortured, and to eventually witness His death, I can only imagine what it would have been like to be one of them. It would have been like sapping the the air, the oxygen out of their lungs. Their hope would have been gone. Their their element of, of survival would have been, man, this is our Jesus, our Messiah. And now he is gone. Zero hope. And we know they had no element of hope within them in the way that we interpret and the way that we read scripture. You see throughout Mark from Mark chapter 8, 9 and 10, three times Jesus explains to his disciples this is meant to happen. This has been recorded in Old Testament prophecy. This has been written about. And this is going to happen, that the Son of Man is going to be handed over. He is going to be tortured. He is going to be spat upon. And He will be crucified. And eventually, He will die. Three times in the book of Mark, He mentions this. And He says, But after three days, he will rise again. After three days, he says, He will rise again. You see, in the Jewish way of life, in the Jewish how they how they work their days. A old day finished and a new day begun at the setting of the sun. So unlike what we have at 11.59 and 12 a.m., then the new day is ushered in, the Jewish way of life is the moment the sun sets, a new day began. So when Jesus said after three days he would rise again, if these disciples, if his followers had any sense of hope and, and belief in what he was saying, At the moment that sun went down, there would have been at least some people waiting at his tomb, waiting to see any glimpse of life, if there was the smallest element of hope. Because even the smallest element of hope will drive you to do things. It will get you out of your seat. It will get you out of the door. Just a little bit of hope in a dark place will get you clinging to that little bit of sunlight, I looked at an illustration of when you buy a scratchy in the lottery ticket. You know in your heart of hearts that there is one in a million chance, one in three or four million, I don't know what exact the percentage is, but you know there's a very, very, very slim chance that you're going to win. But that little bit of hope will get you pulling out that scratchy, remembering the numbers that you... That you um, that you put down and you'll be watching the TV, listening to the draw, hoping that, hoping that that the numbers that you selected would be read out. Just that little bit of hope will drive you to do all these things. But when there is no hope, you do nothing. And here we have these three women walking to the tomb on where their Messiah was laid. And they're carrying the fragrance because they are going to continue the ritual, or finish off the ritual that would see them basing the the, the body of their Messiah in fragrances to finish off the, the burial ritual. They were doing these things with no hope, expectant to find death, expectant to find a dead body. But they had no expectation They had no expectation that what they would find was, in fact, a resurrected God, a resurrected Messiah. There was very little or no expectation of that. But God still moved in spite of their expectation. Did you get that? God still moved. God still moved in spite of what they expected. God is not limited to what we expect of him. God is not limited to our expectation. As a kid, I used to have these, um, what would you, how would you say in layman's terms, I would have these OCD prayers that I would be very, very specific in what I was asking of God. Because I used to view him as a, a, like an insurance person. You know, when you do your insurance, you want to make sure that you've got every single little bit of cover, that there's no loophole. There's not a place that they may catch you that you're not covered. So you tick all the T's and make sure you read all the fine dots. And I used to view God like that. So when I went to bed, I used to pray to God and say, God, please protect me as I sleep. So what does that protection mean? So I used to go a little bit further. I say, God, please keep Satan away. And I was like, well, Ian, okay, but, 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 Satan's got angels. You need to pray for them as well. You're keeping Satan away but you're keeping the angels obey. So I'm like, all right, God, please keep Satan away and keep his angels away. I'm like, all right, sweet. Then I was like, wait, 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 wait. How about bad people? How about people who don't want to come into the house? I'm like, oh yeah, I need to cover that. So I would start again. God keeps Satan away, keep his angels away, and help no bad people to come into the house. But what happens if they're already in the house? Oh, I didn't think about that. So then I will start again. God keeps Satan away, keep the angels away, help no one to come into the house. And if they're already in the house, can you scare them off? I would go through this every single night. I kid you not, I'm not writing this material just because I want to preach it. I did this every single night. Then I think to myself, all right, I've got all the bases of my environment covered. But how about my mind? Do I want bad dreams? No, I don't want bad dreams. So I say, all right, God, God, keep Satan away, keep the angels away, keep any bad people away, and anyone in the house, scare them away, and help nothing scary or any bad dreams to take place when I'm sleeping. I literally, every single night, used to pray this prayer because I was scared that there would be a loophole that if I did not say it, something could happen to me, and I wouldn't be protected. Now you're probably thinking, man, there's something wrong with this kid. There's not something, something's not right with him. I used to pray this and I used to think, this is how God works. But as I've grown a little bit older and hopefully my wife will say, you've gone a little bit wiser. I've come to understand that life has its way of throwing situations that you just are completely out of control of that you have no idea of predicting, no idea of of trying to um, come to terms with what's happening. And no matter how much you pray, you can't cover everything. But what I love about this text, what I love about scripture saying is God moves in spite of what you know. God moves in spite of what you can see. God moves in spite of your expectation. You may not even understand how we can work in this situation, how we can speak into your life, how we can move in your environment. But God goes, I move in spite of your expectation. God is not limited to what you expect of him. You look at the the life of Joseph, how Joseph was sold by his brothers put into slavery, putting the head of Potiphar's household, being falsely accused of something he did not do, then being put into prison. And this whole time you see Joseph going through the ups and downs of life. But he had no idea that God was saying, just hold on, if you only knew what I'm trying to do with your life, I'm trying to make you the second in charge of Egypt. You may not understand it, you may not see it, but I am moving in spite of what you are expecting right now. God is not limited to what you expect. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, the famous verse, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God says, I know the plans I have for you. I know them. You may not know them at this point. You may not see them right now. But God goes, there is a plan for you and I know it. Hold on and have faith in me and I promise you, I will see you through this. I know the plans. You may not know it, but trust in me. I am not limited to what you know. I am not limited to what you can understand. I am not limited to what you expect. I am working in the unexpected areas. God is not limited. Second point I have is here. First point, God is not limited to what you think, to your expectation. Second point is this. God is not limited to what other people think of you and what other people read of your circumstances. We see in this book how these three women were were making their way to the tomb. Everything they had seen Everything they could understand from the past, what they saw, to what that was leading to them in the present. They knew nothing but the fact that they were going to a burial site. That is what everything was pointing to. They were going to see a dead body of their Messiah. That's all they could read. And there'll be times in your life where people will look into your life, into your situation, and they will think to themselves, when I look at that person's life, all I can see is a burial. Because the way they're living, the choices they're making, they are not making good choices and only I can see is destruction. The the things that they're doing, they're they're drinking, they're smoking, they're committing adultery, they're lying, they're cheating. And how can God ever work in that place? And they look in your situation and think, how can anything else but a burial come out of that place? But God says this, I am not limited to what people think of you. I'm not limited to their thoughts. I am moving in your life in spite of that. When they see you and they're starting to prepare the fragrances because they're just going to anoint your body because this is a burial right here. And they're starting to put on the, the, the black tux and the black tie and the black shoes and the black pants and the black gray bands if you wear those at the funerals. And they're starting to prepare themselves for the funeral because that's all they see. God goes, it doesn't matter what they think of your life, it matters what I speak into your life. And they may see a burial, but I'm going to see a resurrection. It, I will move in spite of what they think. This is the God that we serve. When you read through the scriptures, when 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 Daniel is thrown to the lions, then and the people open up the, the 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 tomb and to expect to see a dead body, God goes. I am not expecting. I'm not reading to what they think. There's going to be a live body. Daniel is going to be alive and well. When Noah started preaching and talking about a flood and everyone saying, it is not going to happen, God says, I am not limited to what they expect. When Moses was told to go to Egypt and Pharaoh said no, and Egyptians said, this is not happening, God says, I am not limited to what they're expecting or what they think. I move when I move. And I am saying in your life, I see a resurrection. People may see a burial, but I see life. I love it in the book of Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says this, For all things come to good for those who trust in the Lord. God will take your situation, good or bad, and people must say, impossible. God says, it doesn't matter. Give it to me and I will turn it for good if you trust in me. They, they may see hopelessness, but I say, I'm going to bring you out of it and I'm going to teach you perseverance. They may see a lack of faith, but God goes, I'm going to take you out of this and I'm going to teach you resilience. I'm going to bring you out of these situations and I'm going to teach you to stop listening to the voices what people are speaking about you. And I'm going to teach you to start listening to the voice that I'm speaking into you. I am not limited to what people think of you. They may be looking into your situation right now and think, I see only opportunities for a burial. God goes, I see a resurrection. I see life. I see hope. I see a future. I am not limited to what they think. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, Wolfie. I have no idea who I'm speaking to right now, but I'm speaking to someone. God wants you to stop listening to the people around you if they're speaking negativity and doubts in your life. And he says, stop listening to them and start listening to my voice. You have hope and you have a future. And I'm not limited to that. I'm not limited to, into what you're thinking, because right now you're even believing what they're saying about you. God goes, I am working and moving in your life. Trust in me. in continue reading. I could preach this all day. But we need to go on because we're limited for time right now. I love it in verse 6. It says this. Do not be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus of Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. Stop looking in burial places. He is risen. He's not here anymore. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go. But go. Tell his disciples and tell Peter. When I read this text, I was thinking, why it was so significant for for this man to instruct these women to go tell Peter? And then you have to look at the story on what took place during the crucifixion, what took place when Jesus was being tortured and ridiculed and mocked, where Peter was given opportunity to stand firm in his belief in his Messiah. And when people ask him, hey, 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 aren't you one of those, one of his disciples? Three times he denied them. Three times he, he rejects them and says, no, I do not know no, the man. And Jesus knew that at this moment, Peter had doubts in himself. Jesus knew at this moment, Peter had doubts of his calling. And that's why he was the, 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 the angel, if you want to look at it, says, Go and tell Peter because Jesus wants to speak directly to him. And he wants to say, I know you're going hard at yourself. I know you feel that you've rejected the Messiah, but understand this He is alive and He has died for you and He has forgiven you and He is coming back for you. Here, Christ is trying to be personal as much as he can. John 3:16 says this: For God so loved the world. So often we hear this famous text, it's so easy for us to envision the world and think, man, that's a huge thing, and God is just looking after that. And it's so easy for us to read into this text and somehow separate ourselves from it. Because God is in charge of this whole conglomerate. And he is. But here in the verse, God saying here, go after Peter, go after the personal church. I want to be with him personally and I want to affirm him. I want to empower him and let him know that I have done these things for him. This God is very much a God of the conglomerates and he's very much a God of the personal. And he's saying this to you. I have died for you. I have come back to life you and I want you to know this is that I have given you salvation it is yours yes I've come for the 99 sheep but I also left for the one as well and I'm coming for you and I want you to know this I love you and we can easily take out Peter's name and I can easily slide in your name right now and he said go and go and get that person Go and get Kim, go and get Michael, go and get Layton. go and get Ian, go and get these people. And I want them to know that I have died for them and I have forgiven them. And this salvation is theirs. It is time that you stop listening to the voice of what other people are speaking into your life of negativity. It is time that you stop listening to the voice of what people are saying around you and they are trying to keep you in that life that you are trying to get out of. And somehow you've even listened to those voices for so long that now you believe in and God is saying, here, stop and start listening. Start listening to me. I have died for you. I have, I have come back to life for you and grace and salvation is yours simply because I love you. I I am a God who is not limited to your expectations. I'm not a God who is limited to what people think. I want to speak life into you right now. And this Easter weekend, I want this weekend to not only be a huge festival experience and what we're limited to right now. I want this to be a moment for you to take time to actually pause and reflect this moment, this weekend of God going to the cross and dying and resurrecting actually was done for you. Because He loves you that much. It is time you stop listening to the voices around you and start listening to your maker, your Messiah, who's saying, I love you. Let us pray. Father God, it is, again, it's such a privilege to speak on behalf of you. And Lord, I pray that the the words that you, you have given to me, I pray, Father, that they be used for your glory and for your kingdom's sake. May people come to know that you love them irrespective of their past, that you want to look past that, that you want to silence the voices of the evil one. You want to silence the voice of negativity around them and you want to speak life affirmation and love into their life right now. So Lord, I ask for you to move in these people's lives. May they come to know that there is a life to the fullness in you and that you love them so very much. So Father God, move, speak, And may we come to know you on a personal level and fall deeper in love with you. This is the prayer that we ask in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. Church, may God bless you. Love God, love others, love yourselves and always be kind. God bless.